This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, September 23rd, two days after Notre Dame's 23-17 loss at Georgia. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. Notre Dame at Georgia was, I guess we should say, beyond what we expected because we didn't... I think we... I think we are all in accord on what Notre Dame could do offensively and, and point-wise, you know, about where they were. It was the defensive side of the ball that we did not think Notre Dame was going to have success. Instead, the linebackers played, in my opinion anyway, the, uh, the best game I could have possibly have imagined. They did a good job of slowing down the running game, but in the end, uh, that 16-0 run to start the third quarter when Notre Dame's offense was dormant was just too much for Notre Dame to overcome. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, the environment was incredible. Uh, the the run defense was so much better than I would have expected. Uh, the offensive line in pass pro was much better than I ever would have expected. I mean, it's like Notre Dame was a three to one pass to run team, and Ian Book didn't get sacked. He attempted forty seven passes and was not sacked. So that 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 is a win for the offensive line, and you know, like I'm sure we will get into quite a bit of. The procedural penalties and the noise and Notre Dame's sort of apparent lack of preparation for it, but very little of that would I put on the offensive line. Um, you know, I would put Liam Meikenberg's personal foul on Liam Meikenberg. That's how that works. But um, I think my my biggest skepticisms of Notre Dame and why I thought they would lose by a considerable margin is they weren't going to be able to stop the run, and the offensive line was going to play well. Well, they stopped the run, and the offensive line played well. So I was wrong on both counts. Yeah, I think my number one surprise was how well they blocked the whole game for, for Ian Book. Um, that's what we expected out of the running game. Pete mentioned that if they could get 40 yards out of Tony Jones, someone told him. I was like, if they won't get 25 yards out of Tony. 29, I think, was the number out of Tony Jones. It, that defense is too fast for, for Tony Jones. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get into the running game or the running backs with the questions. My biggest surprise is I thought the defense would play great and still give up two more swift runs for 50 and 60 yard touchdowns like that was my my number one thing was they are going to come to play but they're going to be hung out to dry and no one could be hung out to dry and stop that guy all the time especially the linebackers i saw they were hung out to dry and they stopped him every time 15 yards tim you told the, him the car right home the long yards. the longest run for swift was 15 the longest run for Harrion was 16 and swift looked great that's what's incredible. Did, but Nor- I mean, you want to talk about open field tackles on yeah. him, and he had three receptions for two yards, and that's where several or a couple of those open field tackles were were outstanding. The linebackers played great, and you know, um, there's a question segment too, and I don't want to get too far into it here with and answer it here now, but um, you know, maybe we didn't account enough for the style of play and how Nordame would adapt to that. But, you know, Georgia's not the type that's going to give you a lot of exotic looks. They're going to come right at you, and Nordame's defensive front was absolutely up to the challenge. I I thought that the linebacker tackling, uh, especially White and Lamb, I thought both stood out to me because I wasn't sure that um, they would be able to track down Swift on some of the plays that, they were able to do it on. I mean, I think a Wusu Kormo, we all would say, like, yeah, he's quick enough to, to keep up. Um, but White is just so decisive, and he, he just he appears to be an incredibly well-coached player um, with with some natural instincts to him. Um, you know, I think one of the matchups that I thought Notre Dame would have an advantage in was their secondary against Georgia's <laughs> receivers. Clark Lee seemed to also feel that way based on how they play, and I think that they did. That was true. I mean, 
I don't know how many people asked me about George Pickens before the game, but nobody asked me about him after. Yeah. Like, he and, was invisible. He was, and Blaylock, you know, it was another guy that had done a lot of damage. Now, Cager did some damage, obviously. Boy, Fromm was on point, too. It wasn't on Fromm that he was missing these guys. Fromm <laughs> is just, I mean, you want to talk about just quarterback instincts and the ability to play the, the position and touch and when to get rid of the football and leadership. He's 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 really really good. Now he doesn't have a whole thirty starts now. Yeah, no doubt. And he doesn't. You know, I mean, they do not. You want to talk about a team that doesn't throw the ball downfield? They don't throw it downfield a whole lot. They probably don't feel like they have to, uh, especially maybe with some of those younger receivers. But uh, Fromm's good. But Nordame really did an outstanding job job defensively. And maybe you know this is something you can build on moving forward. Asmar Bilal, I just just rewatching the game last night. I mean, this is a guy. Again, talking body language, I just love the way that he carried himself. He, he, There weren't false moves. When he made a move, he didn't just, like, as he did against Louisville, run into the pile. He observed what he was seeing and reacted accordingly. And I, I just thought it would – I'd like to think that, although he played well against New Mexico, it was New Mexico. Right, you'd like right. to think that that's a real breakthrough performance against a quality opponent. And so now if you're – you know, you don't want to – Maybe we overreacted to the first two games. You don't want to overreact to this one, although it was Georgia. But if moving forward that can be more of the defense that Notre Dame plays, well, now you're looking at a different football team. Yeah, because I, I think that against New Mexico, that was an Asmar Bilal that you had sort of never, ever seen. Um, and now you've seen it two weeks in a row. Does that mean you're going to see it 11 weeks in a row? Probably not. But can he get nine out of the next 11? That, that would be a huge win for Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, you can – I mean, you don't have – Asmar Bilal doesn't have to be great every week necessarily for them to win. But, I mean, if he's locked in. And to me, that's a, the way he carried himself was a confidence issue. And how can you possibly get more confidence than playing like that against a team like Georgia? And we also had the end of an era that we all thought would be coming someday, but it hadn't happened officially yet. Cole Komet is no longer a theory. Yeah. And he scored a touchdown, which I didn't bring up. I've been saying he hasn't even scored a touchdown. He he scored was, it. it should have been Tony Jones, as it appears, but he, he scored it. He was outstanding. I mean, I look, there there were false starts, and I'm sure a couple were on him. Not only with the cadence thing, I mean, it's his first game. Right. The atmosphere is ridiculous. He's detached. Yeah. Hasn't played since the Cotton Bowl. He's gonna have one or two. Well, he's gonna have one false start. Unfortunately, he had three. <laughs> I don't know if they're all on him or not. It doesn't matter if they're all on him or not I've because been he's outstanding since June of 2017. Yes, but it well, just, now it's we all, <laughs> I mean, we all we all knew yeah. what his potential was, but you have to you have to see it in a game, and he was really good. I, I in the tail tape, I broke down each play and each catch because. I mean, in almost every instance, there's something unique in there, both in the way they used him, the way he initiated, broke tackles, initiated contact, needed five guys to bring him down on one of his first receptions in the first quarter. I thought Brian Kelly's best quote, and best is because I agreed with it, is that <laughs> Cole Komet set the tone physically for the offense when he was doing that in the first quarter. It wasn't like, oh, Komet makes a catch and gets crumpled up in a heap. They hit him, and he stayed up. That's all Chip Long's been asking for. Since last season, someone get hit in the legs and stay up and get some yards. I mean, there was no, not that there would be quit, but there was, he was just coming to play, and it's the coming out party that, that Notre Dame's offense needed. Now they have another weapon. And I was just going to say, and Michael Young is back on the depth chart uh, depth chart this week. He's listed, people love this, he's listed number two behind X Chris Fink. Um, That's just because X receiver Chris Fink. No, I know, I, I understand yeah. that, but... Uh, you know, let's talk about Chris Fink because he's off to a very slow start. Um, I, I was deli- I was delirious on two hours sleep yesterday and and involved in a Twitter contest with people about Fink and 
contest where no one won. Uh, <laughs> Remember well, I, what not to get involved. I, yeah, I know. Well, I, I, yeah, I know. Well, you, you can't. You know, I found yesterday that I expect I expect that people on Twitter understand or know my work or our work from our website, and that's not necessarily true. So somebody reacts to a sentence or two that I write without having context to to place it against what we do on Irish Illustrated, and uh, I mean, I guess I, I get that, but I, you don't, the, the whole idea that you, Chris Fink has struggled, so bench him, you're at Georgia with a fifth-year senior, you're not going to run Javon McKinley out there instead of the guy that's been through the wars and has actually won games for you. They were incredibly shorthanded on Saturday night, and they had no other recourse. I mean, they had... They had to abandon the running game before the game started. They abandoned the running game on Tuesday in practice. So to then think that you would then remove Chris Fink is just insane. You have uh, to, Chris Fink had to make plays, and he didn't. Yeah. You have to put your guys in to make plays that you trust He just make didn't have play. a good game. He just didn't have a good game. No. That's, that's real-life coaching. That's, right. that's what happens in the real world of college football and coaching. You don't bench a veteran that scored a touchdown for you in the 12th game of the regular season last year to lead you to the playoffs on the road in the Coliseum. Well, he's also been one of their two best receivers since Miles Boykin left and one of their right. three best receivers for two years. And we're not saying that he played well. We're, no, we're not, no, we're not, not say, I, I'm not saying that at all. It's just you don't, you don't toss the guy to the side. I don't know why he's struggling. He is the interception off his hands was part Book's fault because it was a bad throw, and it was part Fink's fault because he had his hands on it, and he had it taken away from him. The second interception, um, Book never should have thrown that pass. Uh, I don't know why he would have thought that that J.R. Reed was not going to cross the face of Chris Fink and make that Still play. Still nice play. But I, oh, I he's, he's, a, he's a great player. You know, I wrote this in Tale of Tape today. As much as we admire uh, Gilman and Elliott on the back end, well, Georgia has safeties just like that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, like, I was watching the game. I was still up at the press box because I do the game story, which is fun, while you guys were going down to the field. And there's a couple of us still up there, saddled with game stories. And I looked over, I was like, this has to go to Komet at some point, right, in the final four plays. It's easier said than done. Because, you know what, let's give credit to Georgia Pressure and Ian Book, too. And I know Notre Dame had Aaron Banks and a couple other guys with mistakes. There's cadence issues. There's huge issues going on. This all counts. Like... Well, it's because Banks was turned around. That counts. They pressured Book. It's not like Bank Books could be, Book could be like, oh, I really want to hit Komet, but I didn't have any time. I think that in. Banks turning around ended up that happened a bunch on the last drive, and I think that was sort of their new silent count where Banks would turn around and look at Book. Book would say like, "We're going on two. We're going three, or just essentially give him some instructions. Yeah. Then Banks would turn around and tap Patterson, and then the play would start. Um, I don't know how much would have been different on the final play if Banks hadn't been turning around because. Uh, I think it was Jermaine Johnson it was. shot between um, Eichenberg and Banks. Yeah. And then um, blanking on the, the freshman, Nolan Smith, came around the edge and Cole Komet couldn't get a hand on him because Nolan Smith is the number one country in the, the number one player in the country. Um, but, I mean, overall, I would say that, that like the offensive line was a plus. The offensive line, I thought, was like more part of the solution on Saturday night. than And I'm not sure I, I – I, well, I'm, I'm – I know I didn't feel that way before the game started, so I thought they they showed me something. I was just giving credit to Georgia. Oh, on okay. that they have so many. I mean, no, I mean when you said that. <laughs> Never about, mind. No. Yeah. When, you, when you said that about Gilman and Elliott, I'm just giving credit to Georgia. They make they make a. T- I watched that diving interception. I'm like, good 
God, are you serious? Yeah, you I didn't even. Why well, didn't even? Uh, yeah, I didn't even know about Wilson. I mean, Wilson wasn't even on my radar. He was listed number two as their star. Yeah, I guess as their nickel. Yeah, yeah, and okay, so. Georgia has two other offensive linemen injured, right? And so they get a... They, Only one at a time, though. Okay, and so 114 yards in the first half and 225 in the second. So, I mean, there's it's a good it's still a good group across the line. Um, but, you know, for Notre Dame, for Notre Dame's linebackers to play like that, Kurt Heinisch played his best yes, game of the three really by far. I mean, where was that explosiveness in the first... Two weeks. That's he why was, I had a one confidence for him out of three. Going right. Into game. He played against Georgia the way we saw him trending last year, and then we didn't see that in Louisville or New Mexico. Now, maybe he's had a a thigh injury or an ankle injury. You know, we don't hear about every little detail, uh, so sometimes a, a poor performance can be brought on by not being 100%. And then you say, well, then put somebody else in. Well, that's, again, not always how it works because the best player plays – and if he's 85%, and depending upon the player, the individual, usually that guy stays in the game. So it was a, I mean, it was a great performance by Notre Dame. The place was incredible. Uh, I said it, I think I said it in the uh, in pregame uh, analysis that I was, you know, it was an honor. It, it was a, it was an honor to be at a game like that because that was big time. The announcer said it was playoff football. It certainly felt like playoff football. I wrote this in my story after the game. It was a heavyweight fight, but the only reason it was a heavyweight fight because there were two heavyweights. Yeah. And oh, yeah. so that was that was a real compliment to the ring yeah. coming out of it. No doubt. Segment two, burning up the boards, coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Burning Up the Boards brought to you by Rent Like a Champion, South Bend's largest vacation rental company with a 1,000 weekend home rentals, close to Notre Dame Stadium, available for Fighting Irish Game Days. Irish Illustrated readers and listeners can get $100 off their booking with the promo code IRISH2019. Our first question comes from JJ Zeta. What do you think, what did you think of the stadium environment, specifically the LED lights? That was awesome. I mean, I think that often... Uh, college and pro teams overproduce that kind of stuff. Um, you need a game to rise to the level of your pyrotechnics, and they got it. It was, it was the absolute perfect time to do that, and they went, they went all out. I tweeted during the game. That's what a home field advantage looks like and sounds like. It was an A plus experience across the board. Other than they have about fifteen too many pregame uh, songs. Man, the pregame is the <laughs> longest. They have they have these pregame songs and chants and traditions. I and put this in Monday musings. It's as if they believe they are Notre Dame, Ohio with script Ohio, Tennessee, a Fourth of July parade, and the Army Navy game. Oh, all together. Before, all together before the game starts. It's like how many songs do you have to honor something? It, However, it, everything else was a hundred percent great. Yeah, it was incredible. It was, I I kept thinking about Notre Dame fans. If Notre Dame Stadium was like that on game day, the the older people in the crowd would spontaneously combust. They would just explode. It is sensory overload by the time you get out of that stadium from, well, we were there. We were there four hours before kickoff because we were told that we had to beat the traffic. But the student body was there 
going crazy two hours before kickoff. What was overrated about Georgia? The traffic. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was, that was the, the traffic was overrated. I you know I don't know if it was because it was a late game and so everybody was already there, but we just slid right in with <laughs> ease, which was great. Except it was four hours before kickoff. Park next to the stadium, but can't see it. That's incredible. Where's the stadium? Right there. Oh, behind the tree. Okay, great. Yeah, it 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 was pretty. It was cool. I mean, it was you know I'm. I say best ever or that kind of thing too much, but this was this was really really spectacular. Sure. No doubt, there's no doubt about it. I will say the open air press box midway through the stadium is awesome. That's what Clemson has too. Great view, um, great view. You're not at the top, and you hear everything. And I really like in a big game. I really like hearing everything like that. Duquesne Duke twenty three. Why do you think nearly all the analysts predicted a blowout for Georgia and were so far off the actual contest? Notre Dame's line, both, when I say Notre Dame's lines, I mean the defensive line is really the run defense. Um, Notre Dame's two lines exceeded my expectations by a lot. Um, so that's that's why. Notre that, Dame's defensively, Notre Dame's tackling for 60 minutes is exactly what changed from what I thought would happen. And I just didn't think that 17 to 21 points is going to be close enough because of that. I thought Georgia would find a way to score with Notre Dame playing really good B, if that makes sense. it's You can play really good B and lose a game by 16 points against a team like that. I I mean, kudos. Which they could have. I mean, that's and they didn't because their defense really bowed up. Well, it was the 20 to, the it was, yeah, it was 20 to 10 when Fromm took off and came just short of the first down. If he goes another yard, it's first down. It's probably 27-10. And but it wasn't. They held them no, again. No, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, well, I was a little surprised they kicked the field goal, although. I was bla- too. But actually. Blankenship's so damn automatic that. Right. But that gave him a 13 point lead, and I didn't. I, well, I'll I, tell you what, it might have won the game. Well, no, I, I get it. I, I get. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Yeah. There's not. So, yeah, you're right. So that, yeah, that, so that was it. But I still thought that they would go for it because the momentum was going their way. And then at 27 10. We don't look as stupid as we did with our predictions. I tell you what, though, if you go for it, here's the thing: we are so wrong about Notre Dame's tackling ability in front seven. Maybe Kirby Smart's thinking. I know Blankenship's number one. But maybe Kirby Smart's thinking it hasn't been that easy. Yeah, getting this yard. No, no, yard yeah, no doubt. One, yeah, you know? no doubt. No doubt about it. Um, I wanted to follow up with this question it's from from Jay Jude. Jay Jude, are you guys, the media and fans, ready to admit that there is a huge schematic difference? When it comes to defending the option run schemes, I mean, I think he's talking about Louisville, yeah. New Mexico, and the Georgia run scheme. This was a hugely ignored point in the run-up to the game. I, I mean, there's no doubt that Louisville got Notre Dame schematically. I don't think it has much to do with the differences between option run and Georgia's run. I think it just had to do with Louisville's run scheme had never been on tape before ever at Louisville because it was an entirely new coaching staff. And they did all sorts of stuff that had Notre Dame's head spinning and linebackers were playing their first game. Georgia just did what Georgia does. I mean, there was nothing exotic about what but, Georgia but was don't doing. You, right, and so don't you think, two guys in particular, Bilal and Awusu Koromoa, Awusu Koromoa who struggled against New Mexico, because they were playing Georgia's style that it benefited those two in particular. No, I don't feel that way. I, I sometimes believe that most players, so like Manti Teo and Jalen Smith are exceptions, I don't think Blau and Usu Cormo and some other guys put in the same work you do for New Mexico week that you do for Georgia either. Is that, is that fair well, to say? Well, I mean, I mean I, in, in, fi- in trying to find an explanation, yeah. that's just, I, I guess I'm unclear as to well, exactly why what... why would it be easier to play against Georgia than New Mexico when New Mexico cannot throw the ball? 
Just, like they are completely one dimensional. Just because there's more pre-snap movement, there's more to consider. Where this is more like Owusu Koromoa got lost in space against New Mexico. Mm-hmm. He didn't against Georgia. This might be to Jay Jude's point, but they also prepared for Georgia quite a bit in the bye week. Maybe uh, for New Mexico. Uh, that's true too. I mean, we know that. Yeah, that would go to his point though that they was they were having trouble seeing what's going on with New Mexico. But yeah. I, I I mainly thought that Georgia's run scheme would just completely dwarf anything Notre Dame saw schematically prior because they have the best offensive line, one of the best quarterbacks, and the best stable of backs, yep. as opposed to just having some cute schemes. That's harder to me. Talent is harder yeah. than scheme. So I'm so surprised it I'm, happened. I'm just coming down on the talent side. That's I why I think Georgia's harder. I didn't ignore the fact that New Mexico ran something funky. I just thought it didn't matter. So Bilal has arrived? He's had two good games in a row. Yes, he has. Yes, thank and that's you. and that's and that's that's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> right well, as we well, sit here right now, they have good. one more coming up this week. No, I know, but I mean off. that's if 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 that's what it is, and and he hasn't arrived, but he can build upon what yeah, he just yeah. did, then fantastic. Athletics Mercado, do you think it was a running back issue, a coaching issue, a combination of the two, or all three, including the reason Chip Long completely abandoned the running game and didn't try to run against Georgia's rush defense? Less than fifteen rushing attempts will not win you ball games against top three teams. It, you're beating your head against the wall if you keep handing that football off. Now, if you, if, you know, Flemister didn't carry it, I'm not sure that Kyron Williams would have made a difference. You don't have anybody else. You know, all, you only really have Tony Jones Jr., who, who at least you know will protect the football. Um, I don't think it would have made sense to approach it any other way, and I know I'm one of the biggest believers yeah. of all time in the run game. But in this situation, you have to do what you have to do to win a game, and you weren't going to win a game run, trying to run football against Georgia. You can't play to your weaknesses against Georgia, and running back ability was probably Notre Dame's biggest weakness going into the game. So, I mean, this was it wasn't like they abandoned, they just got there on Saturday and were like, we're just going to throw it all the time. No, they no were, this they was were. the plan on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday during the walkthrough. So, it you know, is this what I would like to see every week? No, uh, but... That's it was a real it was a compliment to Georgia's defense and an acknowledgement of Notre Dame just being Tony Jones at this point. Like Avery Davis was a total non-factor. He, he for the quickness he showed against New Mexico on really his one touch, um, that was that that wasn't going to get you anywhere against Georgia. And he cannot pick up a, a blitzing Tay Crowder at all, which you saw at the very end of the game. So t- I mean, I get Tony Jones. I mean, I could do an appreciation of Tony Jones' story off Saturday night, and he had nine carries for 21 yards because that dude played his ass off, and Notre Dame used him in exactly the right way. We need you to save our pass protection, uh, and he did, and then just get a few yards when he gave you the ball, and right. he did that and too. And protect it, and you, you yep. can, with a lot of confidence, that he's not going to cough it up. Whereas Avery Davis, you can't have that confidence. Sebo Flemister... Kyron Williams, you can't have that kind of confidence. It's almost as if, uh, to go back to Jay Jude's point, that Notre Dame fans and some other members of the media might have ignored the point that New Mexico's defense might be different than Georgia's when Avery Davis was running freely through the secondary. Might be a little different. Um, I will say one thing, though. The last sentence here, two things can be correct at the same time. I agree with you guys that Notre Dame should not have run more because it would have been fruitless. And number two, less than 15 rushing attempts will not win you ball games against top three teams. And it didn't. Well, it didn't say they're going to win it because they're no. doing that. They didn't have any other recourse, but they also couldn't win it. <laughs> you you needed something. That was the story of the game. You needed to be able to, when it's 
second and six, trust you can get three and a half yards. Right? Yeah. Which <laughs> that, they, they, they just don't. They they, yeah, if, they if they had committed to the run in this game, they would have had no chance to win it. I agree with you. Their game plan gave them a chance. It didn't work out, but it gave them a chance. I'm going to skip that okay. and address that. Nice. Denver Maximus with Jameer Smith and Jafar Armstrong out. What do you see the staff doing to keep defenses honest with the running game? They may want to ride Tony Jones because of his experience, but he can and will wear down. Do you see Kyra Williams, Sebo Flemister getting five to eight touches? Cannot rely on Book passing 35 times a game with an average receiving core that is still finding it difficult to get separation. That, which is all building upon what we said here, and I don't think that it's in their intention to move forward carrying 14 no, it's, times it's, a game. It's a different world. I don't think, I mean, Virginia's not going to be easy to run on. I do think at home, Brian Kelly even said today, we, you know, we just, you could see we were reticent to put in Sebo Flemister and other guys in that environment. I don't blame him. Yep. I don't know how that would have go. I mean, if Sebo, Absolutely if, agree. if you have Sebo Flemister and Kyron Williams fumble, the first thought in my mind would be, in retrospect, why in the world are you giving them the ball right. in this environment? And they didn't. I get you. Now, going forward, you got to give them the ball if Jameer Smith's not healthy. If Jameer Smith's healthy, he's going to get 10 carries now. As well, he should. And yeah. Tony Jones could get more than nine because it's not Georgia. But I'm, I'm fine with Avery Davis getting yeah. five carries for the same reason. It's not Georgia. Whether this is relevant at all, because usually the paper means nothing. Kyron Williams is not on the depth chart for the first time. Uh, I don't know if that means anything. But either way, they need more people running the ball against a team that's not Georgia. Totally agree with Denver Maximus in that regard. Were all five listed on the depth chart before? Avery Davis was not. And now he is. Oh, and now he is. Okay, yeah. so that's why he's yeah. bumped. Uh, Blue Chip Man asks, was Georgia overhyped? Mm, no. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure where you're coming from there. with the question, Blue Chip Man. I think I think he might believe we have them as good as a top tier where we had them at the top of the second tier. I took a lot of heat for the tiers, Notre Dame being a third tier team. Yeah. Um, they, they are. If Georgia is overhyped, is Notre Dame not as good as we think they are? That's how these things work. I can't stand it when someone's overhyped because they don't cover a game or... Now, maybe Michigan's overhyped. <laughs> They're losing by 100. But why is Georgia overhyped? Don't you think Notre Dame's really good? Georgia's in the second tier. <laughs> right? Before the game. What does that mean? And they're in the second tier after the game. Right. They're really good. Uh, Notre Dame's good, too. The point, I'll tell you what. The point spread was right because it never moved. I mean, it, was, it got both sides to bet correctly. Yeah. Now, there was a right and side both, and, and a both, wrong side. Right. <laughs> no, there was. But both at one point, the, one, the side that didn't cover look, looked like it was... It was trending that way. Like, you know, right, again, yeah. from that's a scramble, and he could have gotten 10 yards instead of nine. If you had Notre Dame, you're on the right side in this game. Well, there's no yeah. doubt. I mean, that was that ultimately was the pick. I mean, it was the winning pick most of the, well, the whole game, actually. But, you know, there was that point where it looked like it was going to go the other way. I guess I understand the reason for the question. This goes back to do we really have to change our opinion about everybody every seven days? Do we? I mean, is that really how we want to evaluate football? Right, if Notre football? Dame kicks a last-second field goal to beat Virginia, are they overhyped? Okay, not Virginia. If they kick a last-second field goal to beat Virginia Tech, are I, they overhyped? That's fine. Yeah, right. It's just they're, it's, you're playing sports. It's football. I mean, I, I will say, okay, let, let, Georgia's not a – I mean, they haven't had a great defensive line pass rush per se. I mean, that, that that's – that's oftentimes a separator for a team, and that isn't something that they've necessarily had. I think their secondary is probably maybe a little better than I anticipated. Uh, gave so it credit for their, their, they're, they're down 
their top two corners. Top two right, corners right, 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 right. They and had they, to have a poor five-star freshman out there to go out there to guard people. <laughs> and the number one Juco transfer in his position. That's just a rough life. <laughs> but you know what? That's why they can yeah, win. I think they it, I, deeper. I, what I would conclude is I think Nordane played a great game, and that could mean they're trending upward from where they were defensively more than it was Georgia being overhyped. I agree with that. ND Squid 23, assuming full health, which unit is closer to playoff elite caliber? I don't know if I keep reading this, but the offense or the defense? Before the season, this wouldn't have been insane to ask, but I have to give the nod to Clark Lee and the defense. That's a tough question. I don't know. Uh, it's a, I, I mean, I think it's a good question. I think it's, uh, uh, we uh, didn't. Close and, huh? for me. <laughs> close for me. You think it's the defense? Yes. Well, yeah, but what did we think going know, into the season? That's why it's a, a great assuming question. Assuming full health, though. Well, so it's Michael Young and Jafar Armstrong. Yeah. Um, that's a big. That's a big one. I mean, look, what all summer, so, me at least was like. I thought this would be the highest scoring offense of the Brian yeah. Kelly area because I thought that Jafar Armstrong and Cole Komet <laughs> and Michael Young were going to be available at one hundred percent. Well, if they can that score six, if they can score sixty against yeah. Bowling Green, then they can. You know, that's why averages. That, that's yeah. why, yeah, that's why averages are crazy. But uh, no, great question. Um, I don't know that Jafar Armstrong and Michael Young. I mean, we're still talking about two guys that are pretty unproven at their position. There's a lot of, of right. There's, I mean, there's a lot of hope uh, placed on those two guys and what they can bring to the equation. But Michael Young hasn't proven it, and Armstrong well, has a, maybe a little bit more. But there's a huge. I think there's a, a big difference in how the coaches see Jafar yeah. Armstrong and Michael Young. Like Michael Young is a guy that can help them. Jafar Armstrong is somebody like if you, if you were t- if somebody at Notre Dame would would tell you. If we had Jafar Armstrong, we wouldn't have a running back problem. Like the game yeah. plan would have looked entirely different. I don't think Michael Young is a, like a I, game I mean, plan changer. Jafar Armstrong is like waiting for Cole Komet to break out. I I, I and agree with that. He has to stay that. healthy when he comes back from an abdominal injury at running back. Yes, I mean, there's assuming good health for Jafar Armstrong. He comes back against USC. He's healthy for six games. <sighs> you, I guess I'm just serious. He's a running back that gets hurt. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And Michael Young has has had his issues as well uh, physically. But, uh, no, it's a great question right now. The defense is – Clark Lee is a hell of a defensive coordinator. He's doing yeah, a – Yeah, he's, he's never he's, allowed 30 points in a game. No. That's, doing, that just got really important. Yeah, Brett Murphy keeps sending out. Yeah. it's Now it's really important. I mean, because so they're going to ride that Georgia. for quite a yeah, while. They should. ND Band 94. After seeing this game, I think Notre Dame is better than we thought they were, or I thought they were. We have a running game issue and a quarterback that doesn't like to push the ball downfield. So how do you see this team, and is it realistic to win out and be 11-1? It's realistic. Um, is it probable? Uh, I think the most likely outcome is 10-2. and um, Not because Notre Dame shouldn't be favored in its last nine games. I think that they will, but there are teams that are favored that lose games. That happens all the time. Yeah. Um, I think if you can push book to get better understanding where pressures are coming from when and how and how to react to it that's how I think Notre Dame will get to 11 and one because there there were definitely some moments on I, I think the the whole the downfield stuff is not an issue to me um, he doesn't throw the ball downfield a ton but he throws it down the field um, the throw to Claypool was 20-plus yards. The throw to Keyes was 20-plus yards. The throw to Komet down the seam was 20-plus yards. He's got that in his bag. I think where he needs to get a lot better is understanding, all right, pressure's coming up the middle. 
Both commits uncovered to my right. Don't do a play action fake with a minute to go in the game. Boom, get the ball out to commit. Um, I think the ball coming out faster and understanding where pressure comes. If, if he gets there, if he makes that jump, then I think it's it's realistic that they go eleven and one. For Notre Dame to go eleven and one and not have a a consistent running game goes against everything that I have always yeah. Yeah. believe in, and I and I know the game has has changed a lot over the course of my lifetime. But they have to improve in that area the same way they had to improve their rush their run defense in order to compete with Georgia. Georgia, I don't think you can go through a whole season. I mean, yeah, they're you're right, Pete. I mean. Yeah, they're going to be favored, but there are tons of upsets all the time, and we act surprised by them. I don't know why we do, and it could it could happen with Virginia, it could happen with Virginia Tech, it could happen with USC, happen with Michigan, it could happen with Michigan. It I don't know about Stanford because Stanford looks pretty bad right yeah. now, but those are four teams that it could happen against. I don't think Boston College, but. Why do we always? Can't we just look at one right. game at a time? Just, just one guy. I mean, it's not, well eleven Virginia. and one. I don't know. Nordam needs to be three and one, and uh, we'll try to focus on that a little bit more this week. Matty Hebb's fourteen. Considering how incredibly loud the stadium was in Georgia, do you guys agree that the usage of the snap cadence was a really bad strategy? I still have a hard time understanding what they were trying to accomplish. Like the what mechanisms they were using, well, they, did, they didn't work. It's obviously. the it's I think it's it's the leg movement by book which initiates everything, and then it's a then it's kind of a like a thousand one thousand two snap. It's a, it's a timing issue. It's it's a leg movement, and then it's a timing issue. I wanted to actually ask about it today, but it didn't. I don't know. It just I it just didn't seem like an appropriate question because now everything is in the past. Uh, with the the Sunday press conference, and then boom, you're right, you're into uh, Virginia on Monday. So I, um, no, I think it was I think it was more of a communication issue, uh, more than it was a strategy issue. That whatever they were doing, they didn't do a good job. <laughs> well, that's it. true. And Brian Kelly admitted that has and has admitted that multiple times. Um, and so now he's getting ripped for saying that. Because that he, sh- you know, the, these kind of problems should have been solved already. Well, when you're in Sanford Stadium in that environment with all the variables that you have to deal with, some things will go wrong. There's uh, to every visiting yes, yes. to every visiting team, some things will go wrong. Now, this was acute. It was it was a it was too much going wrong in one specific aspect of the game. Two false starts is fine. That's just like college football on the road. Yeah, we, we predicted three, remember? Yeah, yeah, it was like six procedural penalties. Um, it was rough. And that doesn't even count the Jared Patterson snapping the ball before Ian Book was ready, which was huge because that was on fourth down. Um, you keep that drive alive, um, you know, the game maybe looks a lot different. <coughs> Derek Noel. Why is Julian Acquara the 25th best player on this team? <laughs> that's, that's well done. I like the question, though. <laughs> Um, he's, he he's, put him behind the putter and kicker. Did you see yeah. the beauty of that? Number? He's, Brad, that was quite good. He's not, <laughs> he's a rookie. He is. Uh, he's not the twenty fifth best player on the team, and he is, hasn't been the twenty fifth most effective player on the team. He's impacted them positively way more than that. He just hasn't accumulated a whole lot of statistics, and so really, the question is why is Julian Okwara not been more productive up to this point? And I'm not sure that I have the answer to that. I don't know. I. He was productive. Other, other than the, the short number, drops, the, yeah, the, the first two games. He just, yeah, yeah, he has a tougher matchup this last right. game, obviously. But yeah, 
I mean, he just impacted games with pressure so much, so consistently last year that it is surprising to me. He needs to impact more games, I think, for Notre Dame to go 11-1. How's that? That would be another variable that has to go their way, yes. Yeah. Virginia, USC, coming up. Michigan, he's got to impact those games. And I would assume he will, and I'm going to keep saying that until he doesn't because he's too good of a player not to impact these games more. I watched him quite a bit, and uh, especially in the first half. He was he was. Well, he was he going was a heck of a heck of a day though at the beginning of that in the first half. I mean, he he almost got to from when he did force a punt. Yes, the Claypool recover, but he was a half an inch away from causing a fumble there. He was right on him. Um, I would assume the time will come, but I still like the worry. He had, the a, that was he had a really he had a really tough matchup in this game. Yeah. Well, he was going against a guy who's more highly rated than him. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I think people. That, I think that is one of the things, as you're watching the game, you sort of forget the opponent. Um, I know I do up there. That's why I point out their safeties, because that, you know, Notre Dame's going to struggle against their secondary, too, because their safeties are great, too. Yeah. They are underscore 8907. Many assumed Ian Book would leave after this year. He's not even close to ready for the league. Does he stay for a fifth year? And since I'm the one that interviewed him when he said he wanted to be evaluated, I think that means many assume, as it's all over Notre Dame's blogospheres because of this. Uh, he's going to have to play better to, to decide to leave. Um, but he doesn't look at it the same way you do. People listening. Right. Right. No, um, well, I don't know how he'll look at it at the end of the season. Um, yeah, he has to play better. Um, well, how do you think he looks at it? I think he has a lot of confidence in himself and believes that after his graduating senior year, it might be time to go. But I think he'll come back now. I think Ian Book will come back if he continues to trend this way and Notre Dame goes, I mean, they go 11-1 and and he's, they go 11-1, he plays better, right? Probably, because that means they avoid every upset. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, I don't really know what to say three games into the season. I, 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 I know I was more confident last January when after a week after talking to him, he said, yeah, I really want to get evaluated for the NFL, but you can only put in five names and coach put the five, right five names in. I thought, okay, he sounds like he would have considered going yeah but maybe he now knows what he didn't know then That's you know what i'm saying I think you might stay now okay All right. <laughs> i think he's learned a little bit but we don't remember we don't know and neither do you because you think he's not playing well like guys don't only go pro because of the first pick yeah i think my only comment on this is when the season started his mindset was this is my last year i don't i don't ask him on a, a weekly basis he probably won't answer you no i don't think that'll happen um I think it's an interesting dynamic. Um, certainly, Notre Dame would benefit from him coming back for a fifth year, but uh, but I, I don't know where what headspace he's in right now. Uh, Joseph Ramos is a healthy Jafar Armstrong and an unsuspended Kevin Austin worth six points versus Georgia. He didn't he didn't write versus Georgia, but I put that in assuming that's what he meant. Uh, yeah, okay. I I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, it's that's just not how football works. So it's kind of hard to, a hard thing. To, like is I don't know is uh, uh, entirely healthy offensive line for Georgia and two starting corners worth six points for Georgia? Probably that too. Jafar Armstrong was the most important missing entity, but I don't know how that works because Georgia. If you want to give everybody all their players, yeah. But he was the most important missing entity because Notre Dame is not as deep as Georgia. That's fair to say, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, last question from Ryan underscore Seth Koyak. You all said before the game that Notre Dame needed to be perfect to have a chance. They were decidedly not perfect and still nearly pulled it out. Did this performance effectively 
Move the goalposts on win expectations for the season. No. No, because we all have 10-2 and two and they already have one loss. Yeah. We're, I, if they won, it would have moved the goalposts, right? Yes. I, yes. I, the, <laughs> make, making predictions about nine games from now, it, I mean, I understand the question and everything, but we're always being asked to speculate about something eight or nine games from now. And I, no, I mean, they're right. Nothing has nothing has changed game by game. We're just going into game two. We had them all losing this game, unfortunately, before the season started. So they're on pace for a ten and two season right now. Now they look better than we thought they did. What was it? Five days ago. That's that's that trend is there. Feel better about them today than you did seven days ago. Yes. We'll be back. Uh, thank you for joining us here today. We'll be back on Thursday. It's time to start planning your trip to Notre Dame. Rent Like a Champion is South Bend's largest vacation rental company with over 1,000 weekend home rentals available close to Notre Dame Stadium. Head to rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated to get $100 off your booking when you use the promo code IRISH2019. That's rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated promo code IRISH2019.